What's up, what's up, what's up, everybody? Welcome into a Monday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. So glad to be with you this evening on a wonderful night. Now, it's hot and humid, and that's to be expected in uh, Czech's calendar. May. May. It's not even the summer yet. It's getting hot, but it is nice, and that is a good thing. I'm your host, Sean Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter, flying on a solo mission tonight. That's okay, because we're going to have a little help from DP Sidhu a little while later, because she sat down with Obo Okronkwo. See, I said it like a champ. Not going to say Obo's first full name. I can mess that up, but Obo Okronkwo, one of the newest Texans. It seems like we said a lot of that lately, Uh, but yeah, new Texan, but he's not new to Houston. He's from my hood where I used to live, a, over near A-Leaf. Love my folks over in A-Leaf. And Oboe making his way back to Houston. Glad he's here. Has tremendous pass rush ability. So really excited to see what he brings to this defensive party. We're going to talk a little bit about some of the defensive players. A couple of rookies here in just a little bit. So we'll hear from Obo Okronkwo a little bit later in the show. But today was the Houston Texans Charity Golf Classic. And all the luminaries were speaking. Lovey Smith, Nick Casario, Greg Grissom, and Cal McNair all spoke today answering questions on, well, any number of different things. So I thought, eh, it's time for a little Texans audio jukebox. Not sure how many people were able to hear what they had to say. They didn't have an extended press session, but... When you've got the four heavy hitters that you have stepping up to a microphone, it's always good to eavesdrop, if you will. And we'll start with Lovey Smith, who was asked about two defenders the Texans drafted right off the bat with one, and then one right off the bat on Saturday, that being Derek Stingley Jr. and Jalen Petrie. Well, I think if you just uh, go back to my comments I've made, I didn't think we were good enough on the back end mm-hmm. to really take another step. Cornerback was one of those positions I talked about. I think we addressed it in free agency uh, with Steve Nelson and, of course, with Sting. So we're better now. And it's just not him. Uh, you know, Jalen Petrie, too. We did a lot of research on him and uh, thought he would really fit in with what we do, fit the profile, you know, at that safety position. So we'll... Uh, and when you draft players, uh, you know, some programs, you know, hey, we're going to let them sit around for a few years and see what they can do. Now, I, if they're good enough to play, they'll play early. And if not, eventually they'll be ready to go. They'll play then. Lovey reiterated what he had said. I believe it was the first day of conditioning. It's funny because once you get to draft season, I've said this. People have asked me, well, this guy said this, and this guy said that, and this coach said this, and this GM said that. I'm like, don't believe anything. Nothing. Nothing is the truth. But right at that first day of conditioning, Lovey Smith, Pep Hamilton, Frank Ross all went up to the podium and spoke upstairs at the press box, and Lovey was asked about the secondary. And that's exactly what he said about the secondary. He said, this secondary was not good enough for us to take this defense to where it can go. And when you think about over the years with the Bears and all, and the Buccaneers, and Rams, you know, all the different places that Lovey has been the secondary has been a balling out secondary Charles Tillman Rondé Barber uh, Aeneas Williams I mean there have been some ballers in the secondary 
And you don't always need the ballers, but you just need the players to play like ballers. And last year, they didn't. And so when I heard that from Lovey, I thought, okay, I know he's telling the truth because I watched with my own eyes. I watched every game. I know the secondary struggle. I get that. But is that going to lead to premium picks the first couple of days being spent on the secondary? And that's exactly what happened with Derek Stingley and with Jalen Petrie. Those guys, and then I love what also Lovey said at the end, and that is when they're ready, they'll play. And we have opined, as many have, you draft a guy third overall. I mean, that guy's got to come in and be a day one starter, right? I mean, you know, Derek Stingley's got to be a day one starter. First of all, health-wise, making sure he's healthy, which I think he is, but making sure he's healthy, making sure he's picking things up uh, mentally with the, the playbook and things are going well and Jalen the same way. And when they do and they're ready, let's go. Could be day one, could be week one, could be week nine. Doesn't matter. They proved last year there is no timetable. First of all, that's all the same for draft picks, which there should never be. Um, And the fact that if you're ready, you'll play. Nico Collins, early playing time. I remember going to Cleveland. First first play of the game, second play of the game. Tyrod hits him on a slant route, big play, lands on his shoulder, unfortunately. But the fact that they went to him first play as a rookie, third-round receiver, Man, let's rock. And I think that's going to be the way it is here in Houston, that when the rookies are ready, young guys are ready, they'll play. And the same goes for vets. If a vet's ready, he's playing. Vet's better than a rookie, vet's playing. Rookie's better than a vet, he's playing. Just that's the way it is felt. Now, of the early picks to defense, Jalen Petrie and Derek Stingley Jr., and two went to the offense, Kenyon Green, and also John Mechie. Here's Lovey talking about the Alabama wide receiver. Of course, a receiver into it, number one, but and then a receiver that we really like also. And uh, it's just that Mechie has been, if you know his history and what he's gone through. You know, we say we're a tough football team. There are some positions that kind of tell you if you're really tough or not. Like, we don't bring in corners unless they like to tackle. Receivers like to block. And he's a small guy, slot, what he does to play with an injury or what he did. And um, he's just attacked coming back because his everybody has a history, and we like what his history has said. He's going to give us something eventually that we don't have in our program now. Said last part, he's talking about Mechie saying he gives us something that we don't have in our program right now, which I found fascinating when I heard that clip and thought, hmm, interesting. But Mechie's a tough dude. I, obviously, I've gone back, and I've started to look forward to 2023. But in doing so, I'm watching some Alabama film. I've been watching some Mississippi State film. And I happen to watch Alabama versus Mississippi State. And Mechie in that game is good. I mean, just good. But just the thought that he gives us that toughness, the ability to go block. And I said this on draft night. All of that comes to fruition with one of the most important plays for Alabama in 2020, the COVID year. They're playing the SEC championship game. And Mac Jones throws an interception to Trey Dean from Florida. And it's early in the game where this thing can all of a sudden get flipped with a touchdown going the other way. Boy, this could be interesting. And Trey Dean, safety for Florida, starts running with the football, and he's not taking care of it. And he goes to make a cut, and Mechie blasts him. I mean, just flat-out smoked him. Smoked him. Ball comes out. Devontae Smith gets on it. The very next play, uh, Mac Jones hits Devontae Smith for a touchdown, and the game 
changed again. It was instead of I think it was 14-14 at the time. That would end up that would have gone 21-14 the other way. Instead it goes 21-14 Alabama. And now it becomes kind of a can you top this the rest of the way, but Alabama never yielded. They never lost serve. And ended up winning the game. I think it was like 52-44 or something like that. But they didn't lose serve because of that play by Mechie. And I always think about that play when it comes to Mechie. Because, first of all, it is, it's just an unbelievable hit. Great hit. Pops the ball out at the most key time. Now, obviously, coming off the ACL tear is going to be something that we'll see where the rehab is and where he can be, whether he's able to participate in certain activities uh, throughout. But just to be able to get him in a building and start getting him you know, through the process of becoming a pro, becoming a Texan, learning where everything is, where's the bathroom, where's, you know, who's my roommate um, during camp. I don't know if they have roommates during the camp. Uh, who's my roommate in the locker room, like who, do my, who am I next to, all that kind of stuff. I don't think John Mechie is going to ever be a guy that creates a problem or this or that. He's just going to be a ball player. He's going to show up. And Lovey referred to him about being in the slot and the way he's built. And that was always my struggle with, with Mechie because he did a lot of outside things at Alabama, but I always felt like he was going to be a slot. And then I saw what the Niners did with Debo Samuel and how they used him as kind of a wide back. I think Mechie could do things like that with his skill set, with his build, and obviously with his football character taking all that in. So interesting to see what Mechie does in the future. All right, let's get to GM Nick Casario, and he was asked about – quarterback situation because the Texans have added Kevin Hogan they did that last week and he is added to Jeff Driscoll Kyle Allen and seemingly the 2022 starter Davis Mills here's Nick talking about the QBs just specific to Davis because he has the most experience in that group so I think he learned a lot with just the opportunity to play I'd say that's the one position you really can't get better until you play there's sometimes that position you could go two to three years before actually even playing and there's been plenty of situations where we didn't know what a quarterback was capable of doing. I'll like use Matt Castle as an example. So seventh-round pick, barely, barely played college football and really didn't play that much pro football. And then he really didn't play until Brady went and got hurt in the opening game. So we almost moved on from Castle in training camp because he didn't play very well. So until they actually get on the field and perform, so I would say fast forward to what Davis went through. Went through a lot. I'd say he dealt with some adversity, whether it was in training camp, whether it was in the preseason, and he got to the regular season, then there was a gap there, kind of take a deep breath, and he came back on the field. And offensive football is a, it's a collective effort, and the quarterback relies on everybody else around him and vice versa. So um, I'd say he certainly made some progress. You know, we'll see how the offseason goes. The year one to year two jump, typically, not necessarily specific quarterback, Brian, but just generally speaking for younger players is pretty significant and then the rest of the group Kyle has a lot of experience he started X number of games so he's played a lot of football Jeff I'd say is kind of a unique player for that position but he's played a lot and then we signed Kevin you know last week has some experience has some experience with Pep in his offense so I'd say an experienced smart group that has some degree of familiarity with our offense so then the performance will dictate ultimately how big the role is for whoever those players are the Matt Castle note right there is one that got me because it got me thinking about Brady. Brady obviously got hurt in 2009. Uh, Bernard Pollard hit him at the knee towards ACL. Uh, no, I'm sorry, 2008. And that cost Brady his entire season. But I got to thinking about Brady because Brady got on the field because of an injury to Drew Bledsoe. Drew Bledsoe, I think the second game of 2001, is scrambling out to the right side. He takes a shot from Mo Lewis, linebacker of the Jets, and he's coughing up blood. He has to go to the hospital. 
Brady gets his opportunity to show what he can do once he gets on the field. And I always felt this about Brady that if the guy just got on the field, boy, they're going to they're gonna see some stuff. And I, and I think that uh, about a lot of things, um, a lot of things, uh, yours truly included for a number of things. But anyway, point being, Tom Brady getting on the field showed what he could do. Matt Castle got on the field, got to play, showed what he could do. Uh, quarterbacks just don't get that opportunity. Same with Kurt Warner. Kurt Warner finally got on the field, showed everybody this dude's pretty good, ends up going uh, to the Hall of Fame. So pretty interesting note there from Nick Casario. Now, the schedule release, which we all love, is happening on Thursday. We are, I mean, we've written articles about it. I did a quote-unquote mock draft of the 2022 schedule. I don't know if you want to call it that. I just picked the games in some order, and we'll see what happens. There is apparently one person in our building who doesn't care much about the schedule release other than maybe the first three games. That's right, GM Nick Casario. Here's his thoughts on the schedule release. Not really much. So, I mean, whoever we play, we play. I think the big thing will be, you know, the first three games, do some work in the offseason in terms of our advanced scouting reports, kind of some offseason work. We can kind of see the composition of the team, how we're going to see it. So I think the pro scouting staff will spend some time looking at the first three opponents, trying to get ahead of that a little bit. And then we come back into training camp. It's a matter of cleanup and just kind of tracking and following those teams. So, I mean, honestly, I'm probably not going to lose much sleep over the schedule. I mean, I'll probably even watch it. So whoever we play, we play. We'll find out about it the next day. I'll come in and just we'll be in rookie mini camps so that will be the focus so thursday night when the schedule comes out at seven o'clock and we will have you covered right here on houstontexas.com i think we'll be streaming it on uh, facebook or whatever social uh device you'll be able to hear i believe mark and myself will be doing that after we'll do live radio with the general from six to seven and then we will end up doing the schedule release uh right after that talking about all the games we'll Obviously, you have a couple minutes to look at it before we go live and then give you our unfiltered, unfiltered, is that the right word? Uh, yeah, unfiltered thoughts about when we play Miami, what primetime games, what Thursday night games. Hopefully, there'll be some primetime games. I mean, I my, my gut tells me, eh, I don't know, given the way things have gone the last couple of years. But I think everybody gets a Thursday game and where that is in the schedule, where that is uh, in the season, um, and, and who we're playing that night will be sort of interesting. So it could be the Jaguars. It could be a Thanksgiving Day game, which we played two years ago and won that game against Detroit, which was odd because there wasn't a fan in the stands. It was the most surreal surreal day. So there'll be a lot of us paying attention to what's going on the schedule. Nick Casario will not be one of them. He will not be paying attention. He will be looking at quarterbacks and running backs and wide receivers on tape. Uh, of the Texans variety trying to put together this team, and he won't give two hoots about your schedule release. We do, though. It's pretty important to us, and especially if we're traveling Texans, because this year with Denver, Vegas, Miami, New York, New Jersey, Chicago, there, and, and plus the three trips we make every year in division, Nashville, Jacksonville, Indy, I love those trips. Those trips are awesome. Obviously, Jacksonville lived there, so – uh, I still love I still love going there, and if the weather is good in Jacksonville, you get a chance to go to the beach. Indy is always a fun trip. It's always we I love going during the year. Love going to the combine, and then Nashville is one of the great cities, turned into one of the great cities in America. So everybody wants to know when are they playing these games? What's happening around the holidays? When's the bye week? All that kind of stuff. Nick Casario don't care. He don't care. 
It's fine. As long as he cares about the things that he's supposed to care about, I'm cool with that. I'm also cool with Cal McNair. He was at the Golf Classic and went to the mic, and he talked about this being a new era for the Texans, and there's a lot of excitement about that. Yeah, I think, you know, it's normal to have it so- sort of a business cycle in the sports, and um, you have your ups and downs, and you fight your way through it. And uh, we've always had the fans with us, um, and it's exciting to have um, even more excitement than we're, we've had the last couple years. Due to whatever reasons, we've had a lot of different things impact us, attendance at the stadium and, and different things, and so we're excited to get everything back together and going again. So it's going to be a fun year. I know there's this prevailing thought out there. Oh, Cal McNair, he doesn't care. They don't care. The McNairs don't care. As long as they make the money. Man, there couldn't be anything further from the truth. The McNairs, I I shouldn't even have to say this. The McNairs care about this organization, this city, as much as anybody I've ever come across from this city. I mean, they are Houston to the core. They love their team. They love the fact that they are stewards of this city and and the, the owners of this team. You can hear it in Cal's voice that there's this that there's an excitement about what this team can do in the near future. Maybe not right away, winning uh, you know, 12, 13, 14 games, but how this thing is being built, and I think Cal put it very well uh, in his comments about a new era that is hopefully being started, led by Lovey Smith head coach Nick Casario, the general manager. Cal was also asked about general manager Nick Casario and what he thought of the team building that Nick has done to get it to this point. Well, it's a lot of fun. It's you're uh, really building part of the team there, an important uh, phase of building the team. And to watch him uh, work up and down the board and his knowledge um, is really fun to see and witness firsthand because uh, he's got a plan for if this happens, he's got a plan if that happens, can go up and do that, can come back and do that. He's talked to the teams. He's worked through the all, scenario, all the different scenarios. So it's really a lot of fun to watch and uh, be in the room. I wish we could all be in the room with him, but it's he has sort of a smaller room with just you know five or six folks and going about doing a great job so it was exciting to be in there he's He's very calm calm. very methodical and just did another great job and that was hannah mcnair sneaking in there saying something that is extremely important and that is how calm he is as they're going through the draft process and i didn't expect anything different from a guy that's been with the patriots and been through it and seen belichick do it and be part of those drafts and and how Bill has gone about doing it and building one of the great organizations in, in sports history. You know, I'm sure Nick wasn't sitting over there eating bonbons and not watching or studying, uh, and he's done that. But the way that he stays calm about everything, he just doesn't seem to get rattled. And obviously in the draft, not getting rattled is majorly important. So good to hear from Cal and Hannah McNair on Nick Casario. All right, say the best for last because he ultimately is my boss. And that's the president of the Texans, Greg Grissom. Maybe I've earned some brownie points by saving it for last. Either way, here is Greg talking about the schedule release coming up on Thursday and fans purchasing tickets that night. Schedule release is just, it's an exciting day for our fans. It's honestly, it's an exciting day for us in the organization. We learn kind of when and where we're going to play. We already know the opponents, obviously. So, it's a great day this year. Um, we're doing something a little different, just kind of like we're doing a lot of things different. We're, we're making sure that our fans have available availability to buy single game tickets 
the night of schedule release for the first time. So in the past, we've always done that in July, but wanted to give our fans a chance to the, to buy tickets the night when the schedule is released so that they, they have an opportunity to come see the Texans this year. So we'll look forward to that. Now, the draft party was a massive success, at least according to yours truly. What did President Greg Grissom have to think about the draft party at Miller Outdoor Theater? We were we loved the draft party. We got great feedback from all of our fans um, who were out there, had almost 4,000 people there in attendance, working with our partners at Houston First and Miller Outdoor Theater to make it all happen. So, um, you know, it was something new and different, and uh, I think uh, we got a lot of great feedback and, and really just were – excited to be with everybody to welcome all the new Texans here to Houston. And of course, the golf tournament itself taking place at River Oaks. Been doing it for 19 years, serving a lot of good in the city of Houston. You no, know, I'm a golfer, so anytime I get a chance to play golf, but to do it for a great cause, for supporting our foundation, supporting the Houston Food Bank, the Houston Texans YMCA, and the Boys and Girls Club of Greater Houston. So most of the funds from the foundation go to support that event or those causes. And so it's it's always fun just to kind of get out here with our players. You know, some of them can play, some of them can't. Uh, but regardless, we're all having a good time. I'll tell you who wouldn't have had a good time playing golf. That would have been me. Because the last time that I played golf, I was playing with former president Jamie Roots, and he shortstopped on me, and I rammed my cart right into his at the Greenbrier on Old White, the PGA course. I didn't know whether I was going to live to see hole four, but Jamie was quite nice about it, and we always have that story to tell, don't we, JR? Yes. But either way, great day out at River Oaks, a tremendous day for the Texans, raising money for the Houston Food Bank and the various charities. Just incredible, incredible stuff the Texans are doing for the community, which is something I will tell you that I knew about when I got into the building but I didn't know to the level that we do it in the building. And it's just just incredible. And I know the McNairs uh, are just so thrilled that we are able to give back to the community as much as the Texans are able to. All right. That was a nice little Texans audio jukebox finishing there with Greg Grissom. But how about we get the extended version of a song next with Obo Okoronkwo, newest Texan, well, one of them, but he is not new to Texas, nor is he new to Houston. He's from A-Leaf. Let's do a little Obo Okoronkwo deep slant with DP Sidhu next, right here on Texans All Access. Texans All Access. Texans All Access. Texans. Welcome back to Monday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter. So glad to be with you on a wonderful evening. A little steamy, a little hot, but it's Houston in May. May turns to June. June turns to July, July to August, and it's still 92 degrees at, I don't know, 7 o'clock at night or whatever, whatever time it is right now. But you get the point. It's hot. And a guy that knows that about as well as anybody is Obo Okoronkwo, formerly of the Los Angeles Rams, now Houston Texans, signed with the Texans this offseason. The edge rusher is coming back home. He's from A-Leaf. I believe he went to A-Leaf Taylor. Did go to Oklahoma, so I know there are probably a lot of people like, man, why don't you go to Texas College? Either way, he went to Oklahoma, then he went to the Rams, and now he is back home. And when given the opportunity to come back home, he jumped at the chance to get back to his hometown, family get a chance to see him play. It's really cool, and I think he's got some serious pass rush skills. And that is going to be something hopefully Texans can rely on in 2022. Here is Deepy Sidhu doing a little deep slant with Oboe. 
It's the Deep Slant 101 presented by Xfinity. Joining me today, Obo Okoronkwo. There you go. I All right. It. And it's Obo is short for? Obonaya. Obonaya. So I can call you Obo. That's you, cool. You can call me Obo or Obizi, whatever one you like. Oh, I like Obizi. For sure, for sure. Yeah, that's your, that's your handle on Instagram and Twitter and everything, yes, right? Yes, ma'am. All right. So Obo is... Okoronko is Nigerian. Yes, ma'am. You're from Nigeria. Yes, ma'am. Or your parents are. My parents are from Nigeria. Okay. Well, welcome to the Houston Texans. We just signed you as a free agent here in March, but you're not really new to Houston because you grew up in A-League. Yes, so what's it like being back in H-Town after all these years? Um, it's a dream come true, you know, to be able to go win a Super Bowl and then come home. Like, that's like a, a storybook. It really is. I mean, you were a part of the Rams championship run. You played in all the playoff games. Was making the decision come to come to Houston about the location? I mean, what when did that decision to come sign with the Texans? Just Lovey Smith's system that he runs here is just very player friendly. It's very D line and pass rusher friendly. Then getting to come home, uh, I couldn't I couldn't pass on those two things. Yeah, I mean, he says it's a linebacker friendly defense. You're a linebacker, so what excites you the most about playing in this defense? Uh, just being able just to uh, just to go, you know, just to react and, and use your athleticism and run. So, Obo, you obviously you play football. you got a lot of talents as well, and we just wrapped up the 2022 NFL draft in Vegas, and you were a correspondent for the NFL. You were out there with your camera. I knew you like to take a lot of pictures, so tell me how that all sort of came about, you getting to do that for the league. I think somebody uh, heard that I, I like to take pictures, so they hit up the Rams, I guess the player personnel people, and they were like, oh, he's not here anymore, but we can shoot him the message, you know. So uh, it was Jack Quez McClendon from, from the Rams. So he texted me like, hey, I have an opportunity for you. You know, and I'm like, you know, let me hear it. And then he was all <laughs> like, he'll be shooting the red carpet for the draft. And I'm like. <laughs> like well, okay, but how do they know, how does the league know that you're, how you been taking oh, pictures so, for a long time? So during the Super Bowl, um, I wanted to do something really cool because, you know, that's like a, it could be a once in a lifetime opportunity. Hopefully it's not. Hopefully not. Yeah. Right. Well, okay. it won't be. Okay, it won't um, be. So. Uninterrupted uh, hit me up and wanted to, wanted me to do like something well, with my photography, but because I guess they stumbled across my page. I'm with Clutch Sports, so okay. you know, yeah. So when they stumbled across my page, they asked me if I wanted to do something, you know, with my camera for the Super Bowl. So I I just you know slept on it for a couple of days. I thought about it, and then I came up with the plan to get a bunch of disposable cameras, give them to everybody in the locker room, and just log the week. Through the disposable I cameras. saw some of those pictures. So we, okay. So we even uh, logged the the game after the game, going to the game the week of practice, on the field, out in the locker room, and then even the parade. And then we turned in all the pictures, and then um, we got to, all, as a team, look through all of them, and it was That's really amazing. fun. Yeah. What was the best part about covering the red carpet at the draft? I mean, obviously, I would imagine the Super Bowl is a little bit more stressful because you got to play a game, but now mm -hmm. it's like you could just focus on your craft and take pictures. What was the most enjoyable moment of just covering the draft i think just seeing uh, the young guys with their families you know just uh seeing them enjoy their day you know it was a lot of just genuine happiness out there it was beautiful all right so how did you get into photography you've been doing this for a long time yeah i've been doing it for a while i think it was always a hobby of mine but um a couple years ago i got i had an like a six-week injury on my elbow okay it was about it was like my second year in the league and when i was down for that for that time just to just to stay up keep my spirits up i sort of just got into it a little bit more and then from there it just it just grew bigger and bigger so how much equipment do you have because i i dabbled in photography like a long time ago it's not cheap but how how many lenses what sort of equipment are, you, are we talking about here uh, i got a couple of toys uh, i got i got a what's got your camera first of all sony a7r3 okay and I'm how much sony guy you're a sony guy all and right. that, that's 
it's, it's, a, it's not too pricey, but it's a it's a medium like priced camera. Okay, and then how many how many lenses would you say you have? Maybe five. Okay. I got um, I got some prime lenses that's just like a just a, you know, fifty or thirty five, and then I got a lot of zoom lenses. You know, just some that give me some more depth and. And such. Okay, so I saw some of your pictures from the draft. How many lenses did you have to take? How much equipment? How long were you working? What did the days look like when okay. you were there? I worked for about three hours. I brought one cam. Oh, I brought two cameras: a film camera and a digital camera, and then two lenses for the the digital. Okay. So I switched between those. Got some for portraits and some for just why everybody was just mingling. Was there any pressure? Did you feel stressed doing that? Like, did you feel like? Oh, no, not this at all. This is a high-profile high moment, like you're trying to capture them all. I was just having fun, honestly. Okay. Uh, it, was, it was really cool, you know. Um, it wasn't like, so me being on the on the red carpet and talking to them is different than a regular photographer because they know I've been in the league for five years. That's true. So, you know, the way that they receive me and talk to me is a little differently than they would a regular photographer. So we were just having fun. We were talking. We were, they were even asking me questions like, like that only like me and them could hear. It was cool. Okay. Did did it kind of bring you back to your first year in the league and just Definitely. you know being yeah. Uh, just like all those question marks, you know, like you know you're gonna get drafted. Well, you hope you're gonna get drafted, and then it's just like it's just a just a a bunch of questions afterwards. Like you know, when do I have to leave? When do I have to show up? Do, when I get there, am I gonna be in shape? You know, there's just yeah, all these sure, questions sure. that you have, and then you know, we it was cool that I could just alleviate some of that for them. All right. So I find it interesting that you said you only took up photography. <laughs> When you were in the league. So growing up, I had read somewhere that you only started playing football as a sophomore in high school. Is that correct? Yes, so how did you get into football, first of all? <laughs> um, so I... Uh, Probably somebody saw you and was like, this guy yeah, should so be playing football. I, I, That's usually I was, how it works I was, out. I wasn't always uh, this build, you know. Um, okay. I had like a, a growth spurt, I think, that summer going to sophomore sophomore year. Were you athletic? Did you play other sports up a until then? You skateboarded. Yeah, skateboarded. Like you weren't playing any team sports? No, ma'am. And then who saw you and said, you know what? This skateboarder looks like he'd make a good football player. It was two, two of my coaches. One of them, uh, he was like my health teacher and my coach. He's Brian Randall. Uh, he's, a, he's a coach out here. I was going to say, your skateboarding coach? Oh, okay, no. <laughs> your health teacher. Yeah, my okay. health teacher. He was a, a health teacher and a coach. Okay. And then um, my other coach, Coach Lanza, they were just like, hey, man, like you're built to play football. And I was like, mm, I don't know because I hadn't really – you know, played from that point. Sure. I've watched it, and I, my dad's like a big fan, but I had never really just been, like, got to just get physical with anybody, you know, like ever. So then when I went out there, it was, it was fun. It sort of came natural, you know. And I played a couple games, and by the end of the year, I had a couple scholarships to go play, you know, at good, like really, like, good schools, and that was an opportunity of a lifetime. So well, that, Yeah, of so, course. So football, like, from that point on, like, I knew like it was gonna be what I need, you know what I what I did to propel my life forward. Before you became a football player, if you weren't gonna do football, what were you planning on doing? I wanted to be a social worker. You did. Yes. Ma okay. And what propelled you into social work as a um, career? Um, just like giving back to my community. Um, uh, where I, I feel like where I'm from, um, it's a little different. A lot of people don't know what they want to do after high school. You know, I feel like I just want to be able to be a voice and you know just a guide for like children my age who felt how I felt at that time. All right, so you're now you're back in Houston. You grew up in A-Leaf. What's it like being back in Houston after all these years? Man, I feel, I'm feeling the love, man. You uh, are. I'm feeling the love in the city. You know, it's just it's just great everywhere I, everywhere I go. You know, it's like I feel like I, 
do like do these people even know my name? They're calling me champ. Like, <laughs> <laughs> do you did you go back to your old stomping grounds? Did um, you go back to A Leaf or check out the high school um, not, or your neighborhood? Not, yet? not yet. Uh I planned on throwing a camp soon. Um Okay. So when I threw that camp I was gonna invite like everybody from like A Leaf, the southwest A Leaf area to, for for a camp for the kids. All right, tell us about the camp. When is it? Where is it? And how do people sign up? So no dates yet. We're still working out the logistics because I want the D-line there. I'm trying to get uh, my D-line coach there. So we're all just trying to find a date that works well for all of us. But I'll let you all know as soon as I know. All right, so coming out this summer sometime in Houston, you're going to put on a football camp for kids. Uh I'm also going to have like a health day. I'm going to do that with Juiceland. Okay. Yeah, with Juiceland. I'm just trying to, you know, just promote health uh, and, you know, um, I, I I think health is like really important, and I think that we should like inform children about health before Being healthy before and, before yeah. they're adults. You know, I learned when I was adult, but I wish I wish as a young child that somebody would have just showed me what health you know some healthier options. So I'm having a health day with Juiceland. We're just gonna just you know just promote wellness. How healthy are you now as an athlete, as a professional athlete? I mean, I have my cheat days, but I'm <laughs> <laughs> but for the most part, honest, yeah, yeah, for the most part, I'm fairly clean with my eating. All right. So, how about this off-season workout program? I know you're sort of in the middle of it now, but but what about for you personally? This off-season, what, what's it been like for you it's just been, getting to know your teammates? It's been fun meeting everybody. There's a lot of personalities in there. Uh, there's a lot of talent in there. Mm-hmm. And then the draft, we had a we knocked the draft out of the park. So, you know, I'm just ready to see it all like come together and be cohesive. You know. Really excited about being here. I love the way that this team works. You know, uh, every day I feel like this team is just getting a little closer and a little better. I'm excited to see what what happens this fall. All right. Well, we're excited to see you as well. And maybe we'll see some more pictures from you here at, like, camp or throughout the season. Yeah, maybe. Right now, right now, worried about winning the championship. All right. I like that. Well, you've got experience there as well. So thanks so much for joining us. Obo, Okoronkwo, <laughs> Obizi, for sure. Right? We're going to call you Obizi because <laughs> yeah, I, like I feel that. like that's what it rolls off the tongue. Pleasure meeting you, and best of luck this season. Thank you. Obeezy. All right, got it. Obo's cool, double O. I'm sure there's all kinds of different nicknames. Uh, but Obo Karanquo, looking forward to seeing what he is able to do. Can't wait to see OTA's mini camps. And I know these guys don't get to doing pass rush drills and all those kind of things that we love to see when we go out to practice. But doesn't matter. I love seeing these guys move around. You can tell how fluid guys are, if guys are tight in the hips. You know, not as fluid or, hey, man, this guy's surprising. This guy moves pretty well. This guy runs pretty well. Hey, what about this guy? And yet there's still some, you know, new guys that we got to check out and see what they're all about. And obviously Obo Okoronkwo is one of those. Obizi, as he uh, didn't mind us calling him, so I'm sure we'll be calling him that in due time. Coming up next, we'll go around the NFL. Plenty of news in the league, including a – Well, not so much a rumor. It's not something that the Texans will ever say they did, but it's been reported in a few different places about a particular corner who was released today with the New York Giants. We'll talk about that next right here on Texans All Access. We got one final segment this Monday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter, And love, love, love what the Texans have done today at their annual charity golf tournament, raising nearly $390,000 for the charitable foundation, Houston, Texas Foundation, that uh, does so much for the charities in this town. We have Texans Care Volunteer Day coming up this weekend, I believe. So Texans giving back. And that is 
is awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome stuff. Now, let's go around the league. And really, I think the biggest story around the league is tied into the Texans in some way. And that has to do with former Giants cornerback James Bradbury. He was in the Pro Bowl a couple years ago, signed a big deal uh, with the Giants after leaving the Panthers. Well, he today was released by the New York football Giants. Joe Shane, first-year GM, formerly with the Buffalo Bills. Tried to get a deal done, couldn't get the deal consummated, and just decided, you know what, we're going to take the dead money hit. It's about $11 million in cap savings. I think it's a $10 million hit this year, a $1 million next year on the cap for the Giants. But I don't think the Giants right now totally concerned with that. They need to get things in order with their cap, get their elite talent in order, all that kind of stuff. So James Bradbury is released by the New York Giants. And now it becomes awfully interesting to see what market develops for James Bradbury. And I know what some people are thinking. Well, wait, the Texans. Hey, what about this? The guy's a Pro Bowl corner. I know we just drafted Stingley, but man, Stingley and Bradbury, and I know you just signed Steven Nelson uh, a few weeks ago, but come on, man, just this guy's a Pro Bowl corner. He's out there. He's available. We got money, right? Can we go do this? Well, apparently the Texans had a similar thought, and that was to go sign James Bradbury. It's been reported by a few different people. I think Pro Football Talk was the first one I saw that had it, and then Aaron Wilson from PFF, uh, PFN 365, does a great job, came in with some clarification a little bit later. But apparently the Texans did have a deal negotiated with the New York Giants for Bradbury. But that deal was contingent upon James Bradbury signing a contract extension with the Texans. And that's the way it goes for you know a lot of things. A.J. Brown, the trade to Philadelphia was only approved once A.J. Brown approved the contract extension he was going to get from the Philadelphia Eagles. That's the way things typically have gone with trades. Now, obviously, it didn't quite go that way with Laramie Tunsil, but the Texans ended up getting a deal done the following year, and Laramie Tunsil is a Houston Texan. This one, though, Bradbury, the Texans apparently had agreed on the trade terms. I think it was a day three pick. Maybe some more, I, I don't know, but didn't know the particulars of that. But they were unable to come to a contract extension. And this is where Aaron had gotten uh, some information saying the Texans were about $5 million apart. Now, I don't know if that's $5 million per year or just $5 million in total, but they could not come to an agreement on the contract. Therefore, the trade didn't occur the Texans then went out and signed Steven Nelson to come in and got the deal done. I don't know. I can't remember what the terms were for Steven Nelson, but my guess is those terms are definitely not what James Bradbury is going to be looking for, um, given the fact that he has been to a Pro Bowl, maybe two uh, for the New York Giants. It was just two years ago he was in the Pro Bowl. So the Texans were trying to make that trade. They did make a contract extension offer. But when Bradbury and his people balked at it, then the Texans walked away, no deal with the Giants. Then they went and made a deal with Steven Nelson. Then they drafted Derek Stingley, and away you go. Now, it doesn't mean the Texans can't go revisit 
those contract negotiations. Now that Bradbury is released and is an unrestricted free agent, he doesn't have to clear waivers. But it does sound as if the Texans are not going to be moving along with trying to get James Bradbury. Like I said, Steven Nelson came in. They also re-signed Desmond King over the offseason. Uh, and then they drafted Derek Stingley Jr. Uh, at corner. So they feel like depth at corner. We got guys we want to see compete. We're good. And could come to an agreement with James Bradbury. So he's not going to be a Houston Texan. Again, it could happen. They could revisit. Bradbury could be like, you know what? I really want to be with the Texans. Let's come to a deal. They come to a deal. I just don't think it's going to happen, given the fact that the one piece that forced the trade to fall through is the one piece that would have to happen now, and that's a contract negotiation agreement. And they didn't come to it however long ago it was. I would imagine they're probably not going to come to one now, especially given the fact that other teams are going to be in the mix to put out offers to bring in James Bradbury into their organization. So James Bradbury, Pro Bowl corner, released today in New York. They were up against the cap. This gives them about $10, $11 million in cap relief. The Texans were in that mix, couldn't come to a contract extension, so they couldn't consummate the trade. And now James Bradbury is an unrestricted free agent, soon to be taking in offers, I would imagine, throughout the NFL. All right. It's a great show tonight. Appreciate everybody being with me. Appreciate Hannah and Cal and Greg Grissom and Lovey Smith and Nick Casario for the sound they gave us earlier to Oba Okoronkwo, Obizi, and to DP Sidhu, to my man Austin Mendez, and to all of you out there listening. Thank you so much. We'll see you next time. And as always, go Texans.